This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, learning about system change at the Snug Conference. It's a fantastic day and people are really enthusiastic about meeting face-to-face again. And there's a lot of information, there's been a huge amount of development since we last met. It's not like on Teams when you can go for a cup of tea after five well, minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and answer emails and do, do all the stuff that we'll have to do tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. So the more preparation you could do now will make your migration process easier. And then, of course, you have to learn how to use the new system. Start gradually and build. Hello and welcome back to another Snug Podcast. I'm Andrew McElhinney, a GP in NHS Fourth Valley and member of the Scottish National Users Group for GPIT, which we call Snug. You are very welcome, especially if you have an interest in or are involved in using the various systems and information technology that help us deliver healthcare in GP practices across Scotland. Now, what you heard at the beginning was some audio from our recent Snug annual conference, which we were able to hold face-to-face for the first time in over three years, held at the Westerwood Hotel in Cumbernauld on the 30th of November. Yes, it was on St Andrew's Day, and we had a Cayley. There were lots of kilts, some very nice food, and quite a lot of wine. There were loads of people there, and it was great to meet up again and catch up and discuss things and not have to worry about mute buttons or... COVID. As you might have expected, there was a big focus on GPIT reprovisioning, which we were discussing in the podcast last time, and everyone was interested in the latest news from Robert Hutton and the national team. Today we've got some edited highlights of the workshop, which was really probably the most useful in setting out what practices will need to think about before they embark on the task of changing systems, especially important for EMIS practices, who will have to move to a brand new system over the next couple of years. So we'll get to that shortly, but first of all, I wanted to bring you back to the start of the day when I arrived at the registration desk and met Sharon and Tracy. First thing in the morning, I just want to know how you're feeling. Oh, we're ready for the day, yeah, we're getting there. Have you had many people in already? It's been really quite busy this morning and we're probably about halfway through already, I would say. Do I exist? should do. Oh, blimey. Now, surely. Do you know what? I didn't see one for Do you think I, I've not been registered? <laughs> How embarrassing. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I was getting worried then. What, what have I got to get here? What's the organisation at the start? Is it a pack and a badge and all this stuff? It's the badge and everything's on a QR code this year. Oh, what? So we're at technology. Right technology. So basically we need our QR code to know where we're meant to be. So as long as the phone works. <laughs> what are you looking forward to today? Getting my session over with first. Oh. <laughs> What's your session? Uh, it's on active signposting. Oh, I see. And what time's that? 9.35. All right, we'll be looking out for that. <laughs> so I accosted people as they arrived and asked them what they were looking forward to in the conference. I did make the mistake of disturbing our manager, Alex, right at the busiest part of the day for her, which I really shouldn't have done. Alex, Alex, Alex. Just say good morning. Good good morning. morning. Right, what are you looking forward to today? Seeing old faces again after so long. I think she could have happily exterminated me at that point. So I left her in peace and pounced on people as they appeared. First of all, Alistair Taylor, and then you'll hear Robert Hutton from the NSS reprovisioning team. 
Now, people did look quite worried. I was going to ask them some really awkward questions, but I was really just saying hello. Hi, Alison. Hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. Sorry, I'm, I'm wandering around with the microphone because I'm getting people for the podcast. So. Oh, OK. <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking forward to today? Mm, to be honest with you, I've not looked for a wee bit <laughs> to see, but uh, I, think, I think maybe a wee bit about transition for me as division will be interesting. Uh, I think everybody's going to be looking at that. Yeah, definitely. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. So you've come from how far today? Just from Wagai. So oh, that's not far. Uh, no problem at all. Road, so I avoid all the... <laughs> okay, enjoy the day, Alison. Thanks. Robert, it's good to meet you. Uh, hi, After Andrew. all these meetings that we've seen, yeah, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you today. I'd say it's going to be busy. Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to presenting. It's great to see all these people. There's such a buzz around. There's such a buzz. I know. Well, I was just saying, trying to recognise people face to face. Yes. Anyway, no, it's great. No, we look forward to hearing you later on. And then it was time for the start of the conference. We were welcomed by David Cooper, who noted the very sad passing of our treasurer, Les Elder, before he set the scene for the day. Wait for a hush of silence to arrive. We've got a couple of stragglers just come in, but good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to this year's Snug Conference. So delighted to be back uh, in person after our um, phenomenal um, few years online. Um, hopefully, everyone is mingling, chatting, speaking to the reps, doing everything that you have to do face to face. Like I say, it's great to see so many. Um, we've got a full conference, so there are still a few more folk to come, but hopefully, you will really enjoy the day. My, I'm David Cooper. I am one of the um, co chairs of Snug along with Neil. So, just to introduce ourselves, and you will have seen Alex running around like an absolute headless chicken, as per usual. I think she's still doing that. So, if you've got any questions for the day, please feel free just to come and find either Neil, myself, or Alex. A quick brief introduction and just to say hello to everyone, but before we start, I just want to say anyone that was at the virtual conference earlier in the year, um, I did say this um, then, but we unfortunately over this year lost, sadly, um, our treasurer, um, Les Elder, who passed away in April um, in the, this year, uh, unfortunately, a, a horrible diving accident. But we just wanted to take a little moment just to say a huge thank you to Les for everything he did. He made the conference virtually run. He was amazing, the actual support he gave both ourselves and Alex. We're taking a collection for the RNLI. Um, there is a little box at the front door if anyone wants to contribute. But um, like I said, just wanted to take this time to say a massive thank you to, to Les and what a loss he is to both ourselves here and the practice. So. Thank you. Programme, hopefully, well, you're all here, so you've all seen it. So hopefully there's something here for everyone. Um, there's a lot to be discussed. Um, you will see we're GPIT reprovisioning kind of heavy because that is the big hitter, as I'm sure you're all aware. Um, we've got lots of folk from the team who are going to kind of share with us how we've got here, where we're going and what comes next for you. Um, and now that uh, obviously EMIS have withdrawn from the reprovisioning process, um, there's a lot of EMIS practice obviously out there with a lot of questions, I'm sure, and a lot of vision practice um, or sedging practice that um, we'll have a lot to think about. So a lot of that in, in that conference today. A couple of dates for your diary. We're still firming up which ones. Um, there's another one to add to there as well for members, which we'll be getting in uh, out to you. So there's a January date as to what do you want Snug to do for you, so a bit of a workshop, so keep your eyes peeled in your emails. Um, there will be another virtual Snug Members Day in May, um, date still to be decided, and we'll be back um, for in-person conferences at the AGM next November. So. Fantastic. So I'm going to hand over to our first speaker. So Dr. Anne Wales, who's the Programme Director for Digital Health and Care Innovation Centre, who's going to give us a bit of an update now on the National Decision Support Programme. We're planning to have a separate interview with Anne in a forthcoming podcast about the National Decision Support Programme and its integration with the GP systems. So listen out for that. 
and the recorded videos of all the sessions are available now on the SNUG website for members to access. Now, during coffee time, I managed to chat to two familiar faces, Neil Kelly and Bina Rashkes. Neil, it's good to see you. Oh, Andrew, it's lovely to see you. It's just, uh, been so long and nice to see that you do actually have legs. Teams <laughs> belie the fact that anybody has legs. It's just great for everybody to be able to come together and share ideas. You know, teams is great, but it's not the same as networking and sharing ideas and community. So, yeah, wonderful, wonderful to see you. And, and we get to have coffee and cookies. And well, that's right. Things. I mean, uh, we don't come for the coffee and cookies, obviously, <laughs> but that's an added benefit. And Kaylee tonight? Well, yes, uh, I've got my... Uh, Dancing shoes with oh, me, man. so uh, we'll be videoing. Oh my goodness! Hello, Andrew. It's a fantastic day, and people are really enthusiastic about meeting face yeah. to face again. It's great, isn't it? And there's a lot of information. There's been a huge amount of development since we last met, sure. um, and it's not just about the GP system; it's about all the technologies that have suddenly become available. And what are you hoping to get from today? I want to learn some new things, take some new stuff back, uh, get some ideas. Yeah. Just, just really There's so much happening, I know, it's great to see people. Well, I'll let you get your coffee Thank now. You. So what many people were most interested in, especially the Emus users, was how we should best prepare for the massive task of migrating to Vision. What sort of things we can do beforehand, and what needs done during and after the migration. So now we're going to hear from a workshop done by Robin Couples and Dawn Ellis. They're the GP IT facilitation managers of the Reprovisioning team. And also Dr. Jim Campbell, former GP and clinical advisor to the national team. I'm Robin Couples. I'm a, a GP IT facilitation manager with the Reprovisioning project, working on the deployment part of the, the process. And I'm Dawn Ellis, the other GPIT facilitation manager on the project, and I was a facilitator in Grampian for about 12 years as well. This is going to be a lot of work for EMIS practices moving to a new clinical system. So what we're looking to do here is target what you can do now that will help with the process. We'll be looking at what you can plan just now for the migration period itself, what you need to do about data validation and data mapping, what will happen during the read-only period where the clinical system is transferred from being PCS to being vision and what you can do just now to plan for afterwards once you've been migrated across. Okay, so the first thing we're going to look at isn't probably the most clinically relevant but it is something that will take quite a bit of time and that's um, dealing with your patients that are registered for um, patient access. Vision will be able to automatically migrate the patients over to their patient-facing services, but there's a couple of things that you'll need to do for each patient to ensure that can happen. So you would need to verify their email addresses and also make sure that the code 9LW, which um, is um, registered for access to patient-facing services, needs to be coded in the record. If you've done that, after migration, Vision will be able to uh, run a report and then email all of those patients with a registration email to automatically register them for patient-facing services. If you don't do that piece of work, then you'll have to re-register all your patients afterwards. Speaking of registering, the second point on here is registering for the e-learning. When you're looking at the planning, it can be useful to have a, an idea of what you're moving to, to better understand what steps you want to take to get there and how you want it laid out when you do get there. So it might be worth you registering early 
and key people that in the practice that are going to be involved in the planning, so you've got a better idea of what it looks like at the other side um, from that, particularly things like the appointment book, where it will look different from what you've got at the moment to consider where you're going for. So local codes are codes that you've created within your EMIS system. These won't transfer because they're native to your own system and can't easily be mapped. So what we suggest is you, you look at these local codes and you can find out which local codes have been used in the patient records very easily within EMIS itself. If you go to code conversion and look at local codes, it will show you the actual code and how many times it's been used in patient records. So give you some idea of how many you have. If you can, you want to replace them with a read code because that, that will make the conversion much simpler, or with an ESCT code, an EMIS SNOMED clinical term code. Because remember, read hasn't been updated for a few years, so EMIS have had to create some codes to allow, particularly things like COVID vaccination, we needed codes for those, so they've created these ESC terms. You might also want to check, have you used some of these in templates? Because again, it'd be worth changing now before you migrate, so it saves you time when you do come to do the migration. Okay, your user list will migrate over, but you probably want to do a bit of housekeeping before that to make sure that you've inactivated any users that are no longer working with your practice. Um, you will be required to fill in an implementation form with everybody's um, email address in, and that would be their nhs.scot email address. Third-party tools is basically anything except your clinical system and DocMan um, that you're using in the practice. So that can range from a blood pressure monitor that uh, reads into a PDF all the way to um, your account packages. Um, you will have a whole range of those across the practice and we need to consider those as part of the migration as well. Uh, most of those will come across okay, uh, but there are a few particularly in the EMIS sites that are EMIS specific and aren't accredited to work with vision. So there may be some need to replace particular bits and pieces. The health board will be looking to gather all of that information centrally so that they can look at it and decide what the appropriate process is for that, see what things need swapped out, what can be made to work as is and so on. But it's useful ahead of time if you've had to think through your practice to make sure you pick up everything and you don't have uh, you don't have to go back again and say, oh yeah, but we forgot this one. So if you think about it up front, then you've got that list available for the health board to, to deal with that issue. It's like patient, patient check-ins, call screens, things like that, payroll software. ECG monitors, extra bits and pieces that you bought that it might be hard, but it might be software. So data cleansing is not essential for migration, but it will make your migration very much easier. We have a range of searches that are available for use within EMIS Web that will allow you to, to look at this and make sure your data is as clean as possible because they say it will make, make life much simpler for you. Um, there is a potential problem with acute scripts and EMIS that have not been issued. Vision likes them to have a printed date. So at the moment, our advice would probably be to look, look at those which you can do from a search within PCS and think about whether you actually still need them on the system or not. If they do transfer to Vision, they'll come across as printed, which is not actually the case. So there's a potential clinical risk there, which is why we're saying it might be better not to have them, unless you can come up with some other clever way of, of making that happen. Okay, so in planning ahead for what's going to happen during the migration period, um, we need to bear in mind that not everything comes across. So the focus of the, the migration is very much the clinical patient record. That's what comes across um, and, you know, and should be in the full detail, which Don will talk a bit more about in a minute. Uh, but appointment books, data entry templates and searches don't come across. So those will need to be rebuilt in the, the new clinical system. Data entry templates will need to be recreated. 
So it's a good idea to think about what ones do we have that we use, um, how are they laid out, what information are we gathering there, take screenshots of them, scribble down the codes next to it to say this is this code here so you know which codes you're recording on there. Searches and recalls are much the same. We need to recreate them again. It's a good idea to take screenshots of them so you've got an idea of what the structure is, what information you're, you're actually looking for and going forward, and uh, noting down the codes that you're using in there so that you know what it is. Because obviously the clinical record comes across so the codes you're searching for will still be there. It's just the search that you're putting in that needs to be rebuilt. Um, I've noted recalls specifically because um, it's slightly different, but it's diary dates in PCS come across as recalls in vision, so that's coded into the patient record, so you can search from them that way. So you'll be building a search looking for recalls in there. Mail merge templates, they're similar between the two systems. They're both using Word as the basis, but the actual mail merge fields that pull out the patient data are different, so they will need to be recreated. But because they're Word, what you can do is just keep a copy of your existing ones and copy and paste the bulk of the text across. So you'll create a new template in Vision and then just literally copy paste the bulk of the letter into it. Um, and that should uh, work seamlessly from that front, as long as the mail merge fields are right. Uh, but the audit trail question is that no audit trail does not come across. Um, we can't bring that across as part of the clinical system migration. So the health board will take steps to make sure that you've got access to your PCS audit trail for as long as is required. Uh, that point, but obviously you'll have a new audit trail starting fresh from the moment that you start using Vision. KISS will come across um, okay because it's all read coded data. So because the read codes are, are the same across both systems, the KISS record will be populated. We haven't had a chance to fully test KISS yet because we're just working with a dummy database at the moment, but our next test is with a live practice database. And in the live practice, we're expecting there will be patients with, with KISS records. So um, the only thing we're not sure about at the moment is whether you're going to have to re-record consent to send. Um, but we'll obviously check that and then guidance will be given as to um, how you would facilitate that if it needs to be done. But it might, it might not need to, <laughs> need to be done. The special notes will come across. Yeah. The most important part of your migration is making sure that your new clinical system has been migrated correctly and that the patient's records are complete and accurate. So there will be a task for the practice to do in respect to data validation and data mapping. So the, what will happen is the first cut of your data will be taken and you'll get access to a copy of Vision that is your database um, as it stands. And you'll need to check a random sample of patient records to make sure that the record in Vision is the same as a record in PCS and a clinician is going to need to sign off on that so you'll need to have decided who's going to do that in your practice. The other part we did say that there is some data that won't come across automatically so that was the things like your local codes and the ESCT codes and any non-DM&D medication so they'll all have to be mapped and as you heard me say earlier, we're looking at nationally mapping all the ESCT codes so that the practices don't have to do so much of this work themselves. But you'll need a clinician or a, an experienced coder to do the read code mapping, and you're going to need a clinician or a pharmacist to do any pharmacy mapping. Pr priorities come across okay, we've already got that working and mapped. So anything that's a significant active or significant past um, problem in EMIS will come across as a priority one in vision. But only the first instance of that. So we've called this planning for read-only period, it's not strictly correct, but from the point your second cut of data is entered, 
if you enter anything further into either your Kulinkar system or Dockman, that will not migrate because there's been a point at which all of the stuff is going to go forward. However, PCS and Dockman are still available, so you can still function as a practice, you can still use things, but you need to think carefully about what you do about any data that, that you do want to keep for the future. Um, some practices have emergency-only appointments or on-the-day-only appointments. Other practices like to have pre-books, they know who's coming in and can deal with it. So it's very much down to the practice how, how they want to do it. But I think it's important that you let the patients know that the service is going to be different. You want to do that in advance. You can do it in a number of channels, right-hand side of the script, practice website, posters in the practice, posters in the pharmacy, so that they know there is a change and the service will be less because you won't have access to absolutely everything at, at that point. As far as prescriptions are concerned, we suggest that if you do print a prescription, you also print a copy of it so that, that can be entered into the patient, patient record um, as soon after as, as possible. The scenario being, for instance, if you gave someone an antibiotic during this period, and you haven't recorded it somewhere, the chances of remembering it might be good, but they might also be not very good, in which case you're not right, quite sure where you are. So I think it's important to do that. Lab results and screen messages come through e-links. E-links will get switched off just before the cut of your data is taken. So they will not be arriving during your, your downtime, as it were. Um, so it's important to know that you'll have some way of dealing with that later on. Well, yeah, so we're trying to minimise it. So at the moment, we're estimating that probably minimal time there's going to be three to four days um, on that. But said, uh, there's kind of three sections to the process. We know what how long two of them take, but there's one we're still testing to see if we can cut down the time on that. So at the moment, if that goes well, we're thinking it'll be three or four days. So post-migration, immediately after post-live, People are going to be less familiar with the system, so it's going to take them longer to do the same things that they do at the moment. So it's worth considering that when your appointment book, if you maybe want to leave some gaps so that your clinicians can catch up on themselves in there. There will be training days. There will be webinars provided either directly for your practice or for a group of practices on a schedule. So depending on which that is, you need to figure that into your schedules to make sure you've got the ability to let the staff go to those training days. Re-entering the clinical data that Jim has just talked about recording is going to take some time to get that back in and obviously it's quite urgent to get particular prescriptions back in quite quickly. We recommend doing that in chronological order so it's worth storing them in chronological order just because it's easier to do that way. And allergies, because of the way the two systems record allergies, they don't, they're not a direct match. Vision records an actual DMD drug against an allergy which it uses to trigger the, the warnings and that's just not in PCS. So we can't migrate that because the data is not there, which means there's going to need to be an exercise afterwards to record that into the, the patient records. There are tools to help with that, but it means until you've done it, it comes across basically as a degraded allergy. Uh, you can still prescribe for the patient until it gets done. It just means every prescription you give will get a warning saying there's an allergy it can't check and to prompt you to go and look yourself. If the patient has an allergy that is not marked, then you'll get a warning for every script you produce for that patient. Right, so I realise you've probably got lots more questions, but we've run out of time. Yeah, so you can email us. We've got information on our website um, to help you with your migrations, the checklist, help guides, etc. Um, there's also a link there to um, Sedgidum's own migration help centre that's got links to help guides and e-learning and all of that good stuff. So um, that's us for now. Thank you.
So there you go, some great tips there for practices and really relevant to every single GP practice in Scotland, especially those who are considering an early move to vision and preparation for making system change as straightforward and stress-free as possible will be time very well spent. Now, I couldn't finish this episode off without hearing from our fantastic manager, Alex DeFranco, who managed to find some time for a chat yesterday in spite of a whole load of issues that were nothing to do with Snug. Morning, Alex. Oh, hi. How are you? You're having a pretty busy morning. Oh, don't. Everything always breaks at once. My car, my oven, my washing machine, and then my roof is leaking. So oh. it's, uh, <laughs> but it's fine. Everything's getting fixed. It's just one of those... Uh, it always happens in winter, doesn't it? Oh, what a shame. Sounds even more stressful than a, a snug conference. <laughs> that was actually not that stressful, to be honest. I think it went really well. So so what was the worst bit in the morning was whenever I was chasing you around with a microphone problem. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> when everyone was trying to arrive, but I, I think it went fantastically. There's always the buzz in the morning. Everybody's coming through the doors at once, but once we're up and going, it's just it's fantastic to see everybody walking around, enjoying the day, chatting about the sessions. Um, it was a really good buzz this year. I felt. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really good. And have, have you um, have you recovered from it yet? I absolutely have. <laughs> I had a spa weekend straight away, um, but it was it was fantastic. It was, it, it's not stressful when you have the party at the end and everybody can, you know, chat and catch up after so many years apart. Um, so I think the Cayley was a fantastic addition this year and we'll be doing it next year. Excellent. And yeah, I, I mean, I think what a lot of people said was, okay, on Teams and that, you can have the meetings, you know, and you can hear the talks, but actually just being able to talk to people and just chat and catch up was the best bit. Yeah, that was always um, a good part of our events was the sponsors were right there. You could go chat to, you know, the system suppliers. You can see colleagues from same regions or from, you know, neighbouring regions and, and, and sort of share best practice and, and what are you doing. And, and it's so much, virtual is fantastic, but being face-to-face -face at an event is, is definitely the preferred method, I think. Yeah, well, I have to say well done for all the organisation. And then, um, yeah, lots of things happening for Snug next year as well. Yes, we're organising a event in January and we're going to look at how Snug can support you through the changes coming in the next few years and we're going to get some papers together on, on what it is that you know you guys need from us. We've got the May virtual event in the 24th of May and we return to the Westerwood on the 29th of November. Fantastic. As soon as one event finishes, we start planning the next one. So it's all go. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, you need to have a rest now over Christmas. Oh, I absolutely will. <laughs> I will. Great. Well, listen, I hope you have a great time. And uh, yeah, you're going Christmas shopping today, are you? I am. It's my day off. So I'm going to go try and get everything today and get myself sorted. Excellent. Well, listen, I hope you have a great time. Thank you. So well done to Alex and the rest of the team for making it a really excellent conference. And don't forget that the videos of the plenaries and workshops are all available on the Snug website. If you're a member, just log on and you'll see the links. If you aren't a member, then do consider joining us. You'll be able to access lots of help and support for the migration. And you can also come to the next conference and Kaylee next year. Bye for now.